God is good. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3 this morning. Amen. As we are turning there, I just want to share something with you as you think about God's Word. Here's two questions that are very important as you open God's Word and to help you to understand more fully of what God's up to. Number one, what is God doing? Number two, what is God saying? Those two questions will help you understand God's Word better if you will remember those two questions. Because this book is a, it's God's book, number one. Number two, it's about what God's doing, what God did, and what God is saying, and what God, how God is speaking. Okay? It's important that you know that because it keeps us from uh, being tossed to and fro. And, and it will help you tremendously in understanding the very Word of God. The question before us this morning is this. Who is controlling your life and your ideas. Who is controlling your life and your ideas? God's Word is a, a history book. It's a book that helps us to see and learn from history. Young people, I know you probably think that's the worst subject in the world is history, but I want to encourage you to know that if you don't know your history, you are doomed to repeat it. So learn from your history. The Apostle Paul himself said this in Romans 15, verse 4. He says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. Now think about that. God's given us His Word and to remind us of this truth. So learn from God's Word. Learn from the things that God's people have already gone through, so therefore you don't have to face those heartaches and headaches. Can I get an amen to that? Uh, it's all right here. One thing about God's Word is He allows everything to be seen, everything to be exposed in so many ways because He wants us to see these are real people, okay, just like you and I. So if you have your Bible, Genesis chapter 3, I want to begin at verse 16. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, here is the judgment that's taken place from the first two creations of God. Uh, he, he is giving them an incredible uh, <clears throat> pain that's come upon them in their life all of a sudden. Because uh, understand this, the, and I'm going to get to this in just a second. The cause of them going from paradise to pain is it, amazing to me. Because in this setting, before this judgment has come upon them, was this. They were a good man and a good woman. Uh, they had a good place where they were living. 
They had good food. They had good water. They had a good job. And they had a good God. What else could you want? Amen? And yet we find he tells them uh, very clearly that I'm placing you in this place of paradise and it is so beautiful and perfect and I'm placing you there and in the midst of this incredible thing, all you've got to do is enjoy, is to enjoy the fruit that comes from the trees and comes from everything that I have made. I have created, this is what I did, this is what I've done and I placed you in what I have finished here. And so he placed them there and says, there's just one tree here that you are prohibited to have any fruit from. You shall not eat of this tree. You got it? This tree. I, I got it. Adam said, I got it. He says, I got it. They understood that. They had everything there was, this one tree. And yet, that one tree, they decided to say, I got to have some of that. And they ate, and therefore God told them that judgment would come if you disobeyed this one command I've given you. And from that point on, all humanity is followed in their footsteps, that we have taken on their spiritual death, and we are all sinners by nature. We come into this world thinking about me, myself, and I. We have our own trinity. Every human being does it. You watch a two-year-old, you think they're so innocent until they get to be about two. And then, oh my, they all of a sudden turn what? Very selfish. It's a natural thing. All humanity is born with it. Now, where did this come from? Let's go back to Genesis 3 and look at verse 1. In verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said to the serpent, said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Well, where did this rebellion start? Where did this come about? 
they're in this perfect place with this perfect God and perfect environment and everything. Where did this rebellion come about? Why did this rebellion come about? I'll tell you, here's the first thing I want you to see this morning. They ceased to listen to God. They ceased to listen to God. Now, how did that come about? And why did that come about? Simply this. This is an amazing thing to me. It was this authoritative assertion that come from the devil himself. He come to tell them and insert here, hath God said, do you really believe that? In other words, are you really bound by that? Hath God said, oh, I'm here to free you up because you're just so, you're just some such poor innocence here. You see, you shall not surely die. I mean, after all, I say so. Now watch this. This is what's amazing to me. He gives absolutely no proof. None whatsoever. And can I tell you, that's exactly the same thing that's going on today. I hear it all the time. It's just an assertion. I remember reading a book, it was uh, uh, many years ago, and he wrote it hundreds of years ago, and Matthew Arnold, he, he made this statement. He said, uh, miracles cannot happen, therefore miracles, watch this, therefore miracles have not happened. Now, you have to understand the premise to be able to understand the application of what's here. If the first statement is true, then the second statement follows. Amen? So he made this statement that miracles cannot happen. There's no proof of that. How does he prove that? But he asserts that, and we take that because this guy wrote a book. Or this guy's a professor. Or this guy is a lawyer. Or this guy is a doctor. Or this guy is a preacher. There's no proof. Miracles cannot happen, therefore miracles have not happened. He can't prove it. You see, the reason why I say this, young people, you're getting ready to go back to school. The biggest hoax going on today is this theory called evolution all it is is nothing more than a theory it's not fact they can't prove it and they and in our faith we just have evidence of our faith you can't prove our faith you have to walk by the evidence of our faith okay and so help understand this you see, we have these professors that come and tell these young people and say, oh, evolution is a fact. It's a lie. It's just the biggest hoax going on today. And so when somebody stands up and says, well, I believe there's a creator because the Bible says, oh, well, you really believe the Bible? And you see, you have to understand that the enemy is crafty. 
His whole plan is to bring out these assertions with some authority behind it, and we fall for it hook, line, and sinker. And I'm telling you what's wrong with the church today is that we have allowed voices to come in and we're listening to the voices out there and not listening to the voice of God in his book that he has clearly written for us and we have ceased to listen to the authoritative voice of God. And because of that, we are tossed to and fro. And one day we believe this. The next day we believe this. Next one day we believe this. And the next day we believe that. Why? Because we've ceased to listen to the voice of God. Who's the authority in your life? Who's controlling your life? Who's controlling your ideas in life? You see, God must be the, the authority here. Now, it's amazing to me, as we see, once they cease to listen to the voice of God, look what happened. There's the consequences that took place of their choice. And the first one I want you to see is this, is that they lose the fear of God. Well, I didn't think we were supposed to fear God. Oh, yeah. Think about this. The word fear has with it the idea of total, absolute reverence, of respect to the highest degree. But it also has with it an element by which we need to dread. And what's happened in the church today is what always happens with human nature. We swing from one end to the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. We are in a phase right now in the American church where all we want to hear is God loves me. God loves me. I can do anything I want. God loves me. My friend, I'm telling you, God loves you. But I'm here to tell you, you have misinterpreted God's love. You see, God wants us to understand uh, th that if you don't, if you don't have a, a grasp of who God is and who he, what he's trying to do, he is perfect love. But one thing I want you to understand, he is also perfect holiness. He is holy. He's totally other than. Now, I'm not, am I saying this to scare you half to death? You know, this idea, see, what happened was, the reason why this message come about is because preachers would stand up over and over going and preach nothing but hellfire and brimstone. Hellfire, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. And so, therefore, everybody said, every, every Sunday they come up, they got saved again and again and again because, hey, they're going to hell. They, they sinned this past week. And so, people just began to say, hey, I'm not going to go to church anymore because I, I can't stand being condemned all the time. Okay? So what does the church do? We go way back over here. Oh, love. 
God just always smiling on you. He just says, hey, you're the most wonderful thing since sliced bread. I mean, hey, you just do everything. It's just your attitude is always right. Your, your appetites are always just perfect. And your actions are so wonderful. Man, you're just perfect. Oh, my. Now, there is a balance. We don't want to be way over here. We don't want to be way over there. We want to be right here. The Bible calls this, if you ever, if you learn God's word enough, you know there's biblical tension. That's a good place to be. You don't want to be over here. I'm, I'm fearful of God, so scared of God that I won't come to God. I won't believe God. Or he's just this Santa Claus over here either. Okay. He wants us to understand there is a balance with him. And you see, you really cannot know God until, watch this. The Bible says the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding, Proverbs says. Now think about that. If you're going to have the wisdom on how to live life, you need to have understanding. The Bible tells us it starts with the fear of the Lord. And what the enemy has come in and done, he has spoken to them because of them ceasing to listen to the voice of God. They have began to doubt the power of God. And when you begin to doubt the power of God, you forget that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, the moment that Adam and Eve began to doubt the power of God, everything else followed. It was amazing. You know, you're really not going to die. You don't have to worry about that. I mean, God's not going to do that to you. What did God say? You know, because God is long-suffering, this is the deception that's going on today. Because God is so long-suffering and so patient with us, we sin and think, well, I got away with it. Hey, I didn't get any consequences. I'm okay. Well, you know Consequences don't always come right there. And so God is trying to bring us to this place where we're not, we're, there's the line, I'm going and then step over every now and then come back and think it's okay. You're not living in the fear of the Lord. Now watch this. Remember in Exodus chapter 3, God's got his man, Moses. He is shepherding sheep. And all of a sudden, he looks over here and sees this what? This burning bush. And he sees this burning bush, and he says, man, I've seen these bushes burn and get on fire and burn up, and they're gone. But this bush, it just keeps on going. Something's different with this bush. So he turns around, and he starts walking towards this burning bush. And remember what happens? There's a voice that comes out of this bush. And he describes himself as God. And he tells him, Moses, Moses, and he knows him by name. He knows you by name. And he says, stand back. Don't come any closer. Take off your sandals. Why? Because you are on holy ground. And the Bible says this. This is what's amazing to me, is that 
once Moses realized who God was and all of his incredible glory and his holiness, he, the Bible says he turned away and covered his eyes because he would not look unto God. Think about our attitude today. The motto of modern man today is, I am modern man, I'm self-sufficient. I will stand and defy whatever God there may be. I cannot be frightened. I am not alarmed. I am not afraid. I am not afraid of eternity, and I'm not afraid of you, God. Now, we may not say those words, but hear me. When you and I are living our lives under the authority of our will and not his will, we're in the same position as what I just described. Man, can we go on? Yeah. Who is controlling your life? Who is controlling your ideas? Is it God or is it yourself or this modern world? You see, when you lose the fear in your own life, you begin to doubt the goodness of God. When you lose the fear of God, you begin to doubt the goodness of God. God's really not good. You know, matter of fact, Genesis 3, verse 5, he said, you know, he's, he's telling uh, Eve this. He says, Eve, you know, the reality is God's holding out on you. God's holding out on you. And they began to believe the lies of the devil and started doubting the justice, the righteousness, the benevolence and goodness of God. Now, this is what blows my mind. And this is where, if you're not careful, this is where we all have been now, I'm telling you. They doubted the very morality of God. Can you imagine that? That's exactly what happened. This is what they, when you begin to doubt, the, watch this, when you begin to doubt the goodness of God, this is what happens. You begin to believe that God was against you. And they began to believe the lie that God was against them. I mean, after all, if God wasn't against them, why would he give them this one prohibition? If God really loved me, then why, ha, why this? We've all said it, and we've all done it. I mean, after all, the enemy is whispering here, God is just jealous. He's just selfish, and he's small. He's keeping things from you. Why? So that he can lord it over you. Enemy's crafty. I'm here to tell you, God is good. Now, you may have gone through something in your life and you say, if God is good, da-da-da-da-da. The Israelites did that. You, you read the book of, of Exodus, it's amazing to me. In Deuteronomy, yeah, if God was really with us, then why would he allow us to go through this? I mean, they say it over and over again, and I think humanity hasn't changed. We haven't changed. We measure goodness by circumstance theology. You cannot measure goodness by just circumstance theology. 
You see, the Bible tells us that God is good. How do I know God is good? Because God, who is holy and perfect and righteous and just, offered to me and to you the very goodness of himself in giving us his beloved son who went to the cross to die for all of our unholiness and all of our sinfulness and all of our unrighteousness and all of our injustice. And he placed upon him the sin of us all and crucified him to let us know and declare pronounce to you once and for all I love you I am good to you this life is not all there is church and we often think that this is the best there is I'm here to take this if this is the best there is have mercy I don't want it I know it's a lot better here than over there in Romania somewhere. But listen, the best is yet to come. In church, we got to live for the best is yet to come. And you see how the devil does. He gets us to lose our fear of God. When we cease listening to God, we lose our fear of God. And, and then we begin to doubt the goodness of God. Now watch the progression. Then what's next? You create your own God. We create a God that we want. The God that we believe in. I mean, he's a God who's always smiling on us and who says, it's all right. I will forgive everything. And he does. You see, the Bible is no longer the authority. And we listen, watch this, to human beings. And human beings become the authority of our life. Can I tell you what happens? When we get to this stage, your feelings have been so manipulated that you try to figure out something in life that can make you feel the way you think you ought to feel. That's how crafty he is. All he's trying to do is to get you what? Away from what? Listening to the voice of God. Listening to the word of God. And once he gets you to begin to lose, your, you begin to doubt God's power. And you begin to fear, no longer fear him. And you say, oh, it's no big deal. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to read his word. I don't need to pray. I mean, I don't need to do all that. I mean, you know, I can do that anyway. Matter of fact, I can worship God at, in the boat at Clark Hill. I mean, I can, I can worship God on the golf course. I can worship God at work. And little by little, you began to say, well, you know, God's really not good because things are just not happening. So what do we do? We take matters in our own hands, and we begin to manipulate things and form our own God. And watch this. We use that God to milk that God to get our nutrients of what we want in this life. And all I got to ask you is this. How's your God working for you? He doesn't work well. Why? Because it don't have the resources. It don't have the ability. Now watch what's taking place here. Because of this, the condition of humanity 
is in such that there's three things that three needs of humanity. There's security, significance, and competence. Every human being needs it, okay? Now, what's happened because of sin, because of we've ceased to listen to God, we had this incredible insecurity. We had this incredible insignificance. We had this incredible incompetence that we feel. Where did it come from? We cease to listen to God. And what happens is we begin to believe, because of my insecurity, what do I do? I got to meet my needs. You see, every, I don't believe, every problem that's out there is all trying to be answered from a need. See, we have a need, and so therefore, we, we think this is going to meet that need, so we go and do that. Nobody, listen, the alcoholic never thought that that alcohol would be the one that would destroy their life. The reason why they used alcohol was because they had a need and they used alcohol to meet a need. Now, I could go run the gamut with things, okay? But I'm just using that as an example. We often think for security, we just think we got to work and work and work and work and you need to work. So we think that we, we try to find this security that, hey, we can have. That watch this, that while we're here, we don't never have to worry about any of our security. Now listen, you can build the greatest wall there is to be built. You can have the greatest bank account there is to have. You can have all the money you want to have. You can have all the women you want, all the men you want, whatever it is that brings you security. I'm here to tell you, it won't last. It will fail you. Why? Because, listen, my friend, security is only found in God. In God. And so God brings to this place. He says, I want you to know this is the condition of humanity. They're insecure. They're insignificant. And they're incompetent. And I want you to know, though you've turned your back on me, I love you so much that I have come to meet those needs for you. First of all, I want you to know that I am going to be your father. Now, you may have had an earthly father that you couldn't trust, you couldn't believe in, but don't believe those lies. Get into my word and learn who I am. I am a good, good father. I am a loving father. I am a gracious father. I am a patient father. I am a trustworthy father. That's who I am. And my God, my father, will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ. Hallelujah. <laughs> He makes us secure. That's why in Proverbs it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. You see, he's going to be a father to you. He will secure you. You see, a father protects and provides. He's there for you. You see, Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation. But take heed, I have overcome the world. But watch this. In this world, you will not have peace. 
Your peace is only found in Jesus. That's it. You see, God's going somewhere. God's doing something. And in the process of him doing something, he is redeeming humanity. And in this process, he's allowing us to go through things on this earth that we don't understand, that we can't fathom, that it doesn't make sense. It doesn't line up with our view of God, and it doesn't line up with our view of what we think is right. Now think about what we're saying when we do this. We are again now asserting ourselves as what? The authority for life. How can you be the authority of life when you didn't create life? How does God deal with our insignificance? You see, we have lots of people that feel that they are unworthy. They're not worth much. Oh, my friend, that's why Jesus came, to meet the need of your insignificance. That Jesus went to the cross, though we're all sinners, but God demonstrated his love toward us. And yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. To let you know you are significant. If you're the only person on this earth, you are significant to God. Because God sent his son for you to let you know how valued you are and how worthy you are in his sight. How significant you are. And he knows, listen, if you don't find your identity in your father for your security and you don't find your identity of your significance in Christ, you will try all the things that are out there that the world has to offer girls are trying to find their answer and their significance if I can just get beautified just enough can I be a 10 maybe a 10 and a half and listen and you're doing everything you can to be there there's nothing wrong with being beautiful girls but I'm here to tell you if you send all you spend all your time on trying to be beautiful I hate to tell you when you get my age beauty begins to fade don't build it. Be beautiful. Be beautiful. But don't get your identity there. Don't find your identity there. Some things that, you know, if I can just have a big bank account, that's going to be my identity. That's going to make me significant. I'm here to tell you it's here today and gone tomorrow. Don't build your identity on something that can change. Build your identity on something that will never change. God says you are worthy. God says you're special. God says you're unique. And because of that, you don't have to give yourself away to things that are unbecoming of God and unbecoming of who you are in God. Oh, church, may we wake up and realize that God has met our needs. To be secure. Man, our needs to be significant. And how about this need of incompetence? God has met that. That's why he gave you his Holy Spirit. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, the reason why your incompetence comes in life, and all of us are incompetent in and of ourselves. We all have talents and gifts and abilities. But I'm here to tell you, if you're just depending on your talent and your ability to make you feel competent, watch this. There's always somebody a little bit better. You never win. It's a losing battle. 
So watch this. You know what God does? He makes us competent by giving us his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit now is taking up residence and says, listen, whatever I call you to, I will enable you to do it. You can trust me because I am all-powerful. I am all-knowing. I am all-present. And whatever you may face in your life, when you're in my will, I promise you I'll give you everything to be able to face whatever you face in life. You see what God does? He meets all our needs in himself. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I make much of him today because I'm here to tell you that's where life is. When you begin to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop this madness, this idea that I'm going to cease listening to God, I am going to go back to God, and I'm going to repent, and I'm going to say, I believe what you said, God. I accept what you said, God, and I surrender to what you said, God. That's when we began to live a brand new life. I don't know where you are today, church. I don't know where you've been, but just imagine. Just say, person A here. He saw person B. Say, Clint saw Robert and says, Robert is in a bind, a huge bind. He, he, he is in a mess. And Clint decides, you know, out of the goodness of my heart, I'm going to help you. I'm going to provide for you. You can come stay with me, and I'm going, you can eat of what I have, and, and I will give you money to live on, and I will help you with every aspect of your life. And then you get on your feet, you're doing well, and all of a sudden somebody comes to you and whispers to you and says, oh, you know, the reason why Clint did this was because he, he was just really not good. He's really not that kind of person. He just did it for his own glory. Now, what would you think if, if Robert decided, yeah, I believe that, and therefore, because I believe that, I'm going to start talking about Clint and say, listen, you know, Clint is really not that good of a person. What would you think of Robert? He, he would be classified as a cad, you would say. Uh, somebody who was a very dishonorable person, Amen. You wouldn't think much of him, right? Now, think about this. All of us, we've ceased to listen to God. We've done that to God. We've turned our backs on God. And we've said all manner of evil out of our mouths. And you see, I believe the picture for us today, when Moses come to God and God said, take off your sandals for your own holy ground, you know what we need to do as a church? We need to start doing more of this. covering our mouths because it's watch this it's saying all manner of evil about our God that's not right but watch this in spite of all that God in his goodness said I love you in spite of all the lies that you believed and the lies that you have said and the lies that you have lived out against me. I forgive you. I love you. Come to me and quit living and listening.
to the lies of the enemy and start listening to God again. Because if you start listening to God again, this is what I know about God. I don't care where you are, where you've been. If you decide today, I'm going to repent, I'm going I'm to quit thinking that way, and I'm going to start believing God's word and believing what he says, immediately God will start blessing your life again. You know why? Because it's unconditional. You know how we are. Well, I'm going to wait and see. How long are you going to keep up this? I'll see if I'm going to give him a bone or not. God ain't that way. Because God knows everything. And the, old, the whole thing about God, all he wants to do is bless. That's all he does. He, he created Adam and Eve. The first thing out of his mouth, he blessed them. Amen? He told Abraham, I bless you so that you can what? Be a blessing to others. Moses, I want to bless you. I'm not come here to hurt you. I come here to bless you. So church, have you ceased listening to the word of God? Today is a day of salvation. He says, come, I offer to you peace that passes all comprehension. I offer you security. I offer you grace. I offer you significance. I offer you confidence. I offer you everything you need. Listen, this upcoming year, young people, you're going to be facing challenges that you never thought possible. But I'm here to tell you, God already knows all about them. And when you're faced with that temptation, it's going to come your way. And if you think right now that you're not going to have to worry about that temptation when you leave home or you're going to college, you're going to high school, whatever, oh, I can handle this. I got news for you. You can't handle it. You've got to understand this. Stay close here. Stay close to your God. Listen to his word. Listen, the enemy's crafty. He's going to do everything he can. He'll do everything he can to get you to stay out of this book. I mean, let me, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get in school. Oh, I just got so much work to do. I, I don't have time to read God's word. I mean, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm up here. It's all about your priority. Young people, you see, the only way this is possible to live the Christian life is you must live in the Word of God. That, listen, a verse a day will not keep the devil away. Okay? You need to be, listen, I, I, I encourage you as you read your Bible, go through one book. Read one chapter a day. Make it the meditation of your life. Make this be the priority of your life. Listen, I'm telling you, this is what will keep you, young people. This is what will keep you. Because listen, there hath no temptation, to, but it's common to man. But God is faithful. And you've got to know this faithful God who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you're able, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. But the verse before that is really what's mind-boggling to me. It says this, he who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. So I want to encourage you, church. The enemy is doing everything he can to get us distracted, get us busy, and he has deceived us in thinking the answer is in that. Yeah, he knew what I was going to say.
This is it. Listen, you reading your Bible on this? Praise God. Praise God. Listen, you need to make the, the Word of God the priority, though. Listen, I found this. <laughs> when I use my Bible on the phone to study with, you know what happens? Ding, ding, ding. So you know what you have to do? You have to put that on salad and get your Bible out and read it. I know you're thinking, oh, something may happen. Something's going to happen that I've got to know. And by God, if I don't know within the next five seconds, I can't live my life. I'm going to show you how it's even got to be. My wife, we sit down for dinner, and I'm sitting there eating, and then my phone rings. The first thing is that. And she looks at me and says, you going to be able to eat without getting that phone? No, I'm not getting that phone. And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, well, what if it's somebody that needs me right now? Oh, what if it's da 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 And there I go. And I realized how, even for me, how that thing had gotten control of me. It's kept me from loving my wife. How do I love my wife? Listening to her, trying to understand her, spend time with her. That's what she needs. Not my phone. Ding, 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 ding. And it does. And yours does too. And Lord knows, young people. Y'all going to have all kind of surgery later on in life, I can tell it. Just your fingers, your hands, it's got to be. I mean, it's just it's impossible to not to have it. Okay, I'm going to be quiet. Where was I going with this anyway? Lord, help me. That's all I got to say. <laughs> That's right. Our goal here is this, is to remember to put God back in the center of our life. That's what it's all about. Making him the center. Maybe you're here today and you didn't realize that you have ceased listening to God because you've the authority of your own life. You see, when you cease to listen to God, you're cease, ceasing to listen to the authority. And you've got to decide who's going to be the authority of your life. We all have a standard we're going by and we're living by. Amen? And we've got to choose whether it's going to be God, God's Word, or is it going to be our culture, our own classism, or is it going to be Christ? God is calling us back because he is wanting to, to do a revival in his church. And a revival is going to happen when God's people get on fire for God's word. Amen. Amen. So I want to encourage you today to come back. Come back to the word of God. Believe the word of God. It's the truth. It has stood over all the ages of life, and it's still standing. It's still the number one book in history and always will be because it's God's Word. Hallelujah. Father, we, we rejoice in you, and we just pray, oh God, stir our hearts afresh and anew. And Lord, bring us back to you. 
We're desperate, God. We're helpless without you. We're confused, Lord, when we try to lean on our own understanding. Lord, we're hurt. We're, we have habits now we've created, Lord, that, that have kept us in bondage for so long. God, we need a deliverance. We need some freedom, God. It only comes when we go back to listening to your word. Oh, the incredible consequences of us, Lord, not listening to your word. Shake us, God, like that thing just shook me right now. <laughs> Awaken us, oh God, and let us, Lord, experience your power, your glory, and your goodness here today. Forgive us, Lord, for creating our own gods, which are really no gods, because they have no power to give us what we need. Help us, Lord. There's one here today who does not know thee. Let this be the day of their salvation. Have your way, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. The altar is open here if you'd like to come and pray. <coughs> you need somebody to pray with you. I'm here with you. Whatever needs you have, you can pray right where you are. There's no magic in the place that you're playing. It's just your obedience to God's word. Listen to him. Follow him. Let him lead you here this morning. I pray in Jesus' name.